right, all right, all right. Day 273. Welcome back to the Windows Mirrors Podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window uh, than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so today is the first day and the last day of First Thessalonians. Um, first Thessalonians is a letter, one of Paul's earliest letters, where he wrote to this church he planted in this place called Thessalonica, right? Which which we can uh, read about uh, Thessalonica. We can read about uh, Thessalonica in the first seven verses of Acts 17, right? This was a church uh, he was with for only three weeks, according to scholars, right? And so they were baby Christians, right? And nonetheless, they had experienced some hardship, right? Early on with the death of uh, members of their communities, of these uh, early uh, multi-ethnic Christ communities, these churches, and they began to receive persecution because they had proclaimed, listen, the gospel that Jesus was king, not Caesar, right? So Paul and Silas uh, were there during the persecution and, and they had to flee. And these Christians were still there. And even in the midst of persecution, uh, Timothy reports to Paul that they were flourishing. I just want to say that. Um, I think that, um, man, it's, it's so amazing that even in the midst of persecution, according to God and according to scripture, according to the New Testament, we can still flourish, right? We can still uh, faithfully do the things God has called us to do, even if it doesn't feel good to us in the moment and even if it isn't well received by the world around us, right? And so First Thessalonians 1, Paul, in the first uh, few chapters, Paul's just going to celebrate them. He's just going to celebrate them. He's going to say this. Uh, as he begins, we recall in the presence of our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor motivated, motivated by love and your endurance inspired by hope in the, our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love how Paul starts off right um, in, in, in these verses because he's just going to celebrate their faithfulness. And I think Paul serves as a model for us that we ought to not just call out sin when we see it, but celebrate faithfulness when we see it as well. Right. So much. And listen, so much of what we value can be seen in what we celebrate, right? I think oftentimes we can just be like everybody else in the world. Like we just celebrate the things that are uh, amazing in the world's eyes, accomplishments, achievements, uh, status and, and importance and all those sorts of things. And Paul is like, no, 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 like I'm celebrating y'all because of y'all faith, hope and love. And notice these are the uh, three cardinal virtues that are characteristic of Paul's theology as a whole. He talks about them in 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope and love. A true, sincere faith believes, but also works, he says. He says a real love for God leads to a labor for him. And then he says a real and secure hope inspires and strengthens us for true endurance. I love what Paul is saying here. He says the reasons you, you guys went so hard for Jesus is because you really believe in him. And my prayer today is that we would do the same, right? Wherever God has us, wherever we uh, work, rest, and play, that we would uh, go hard for Jesus because we actually do believe in Jesus. Then he goes on. He says this, one of my favorite uh, verses in a whole New Testament. Uh, we remember, you know, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Listen, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. He finally gets here. Uh, of the report he's heard from them. And in many ways, this is an excellent summary of what it means to be a Christian, right? This is like one of the, the most succinct statements of what it means to, be, means to be a Christian in the New Testament. You turn to God from idols. All of us were idol worshipers like Abraham before we came to the true and living God. Then he says, you turn to God, right? Then he says to serve, right? The true and living God, right? The only person who is truly uh, uh, alive, uh, who, has, who has been truly alive from every single moment uh, of history. Then he says, we are those who are waiting for Jesus, right, from heaven to come again, not to judge, but to save. 
And in a city like Thessalonica, where there was pressure to submit to the Greek and Roman gods, like there's pressure to submit to uh, the gods of the modern age, uh, giving your allegiance to Jesus came at a cost, right? Usually in this time, hostility from your neighbors and even one's own family. But Paul is reminding them that, no, 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 we believe that in the end, because of the second coming of Christ, it will all be worth it. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing, but man, maybe you're questioning if following and staying with Christ is actually worth it. And Paul is saying, Kat's been dealing with the same thing for 2000 years, chief. And he's like, no, 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 it's actually going to be worth it. Why? Because we don't just serve a savior who got up, but we serve a savior that's actually coming back. That's coming back, that's coming back, that's coming back. First Thessalonians 2, Paul here reminds us, uh, or reminds them, of his relationship he has with him, his conduct that he displayed before them, and to reassure them of his commitment to them, even in spite of his inability to see them. One of the things I love that he says is, uh, instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, hear this, so we speak not to please people, but rather God who examines our heart. Verse six, and we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. Listen, I'm preaching to myself, fam. But Paul says, no, 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 bro. Like, remember, like, no, no, no. Remember, we didn't speak to please no one to receive applause, affirmation, glory or praise a man. But knowing the approval of God, we so we spoke solely for his pleasure and glory alone. And that challenge that that line has always challenged me uh, because I know from my own heart uh, how easy it is to speak. Uh, and so sinful <laughs> it is to speak, to try and speak God's word uh, for the pleasure and approval and glory of man. Right. It's, it's so insidious and yet so real. And I love um, what St. Augustine says. St. Augustine, uh, early fifth uh, century uh, church father, uh, one of the greatest theologians of uh, Christian history, says this in his uh, his um, kind of like, is it it's kind of memoirish uh, confessions, his book, Confessions, classic book. You should read it if you read nothing else outside of the Bible. Uh, one of my favorite books. Anyway, um, he says, uh, you know, he talks about his his lust um, for, for praise, right, for praise of man. And he has so many good quotes on it throughout the book. Uh, but he says, uh, you know, I wish that words of praise from other men did not increase the joy I feel for any good qualities I may have. Yet I confess that it does increase my joy. One of the wars that we always have to war against, especially in a uh, image management culture, right? As psychologists call it, uh, where, where we all always on social media trying to present this image of ourselves, ourselves, even if it's a Christian image, quote unquote, uh, for the glory of other people. Uh, we have to 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 to, to fight. Um, this tendency uh, to not speak for uh, God's glory in his name, uh, but for our own. And uh, my prayer is that it wouldn't be so among us who bear the name of Christ. And I love it because um, after this, he connects uh, these statements with the effectiveness and reception of the word of God. <laughs> he, he, he says, no, no, no. The reason it was actually effective and was actually received was because the intentions and motives were actually pure when it was proclaimed. The irony is that when we seek the approval of men for effect effectiveness is when we are actually least effective according to scripture so it's so interesting and amazing how the lord works first thessalonians 3 paul starts off uh three saying fam it was hot right he, he's recounting what happened in thessalonica he's like no no it was hot in them streets like we couldn't we couldn't live there we had to get out of there and we couldn't even come back because the afflictions were so thick however we sent timothy to y'all and t came through to encourage y'all so that y'all wouldn't be shaken by these affliction and then look what he says he goes next he says for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this the apostolic ministry in fact when we were with you we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction and as you know it happened in other words 
he says the call of the gospel is a call to suffering. We've talked about this a ton in the gospels themselves uh, uh, around the personal work of Jesus and his teachings. Um, he says the promise of the gospel comes in affliction shaped packaging, right? It is the call to suffer. And that may look different for you than it does me, but it will be there nonetheless. Whether that means we feel like strangers and aliens here on earth, whether that means we are slandered for our views, whether that means we receive hostility or rejection from our families, you name it. But we enter the kingdom through hardships, right? Acts chapter 14, verse 22. We enter like Jesus, right? Right? Glory, hear this, through suffering. The cruciform life is the Christian life. And many of us say we believe that, but we don't actually believe that, <laughs> right? Because we don't take up our cross. And he says, no, no. However, he says, no, no, T brought good news. He says, we were encouraged by your faith. And then what he says after that is strong. He says, for now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. In other words, Paul says, no, 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 the faith of these Christians and his is so intertwined, intertwined that their endurance is necessary for his. <laughs> it's amazing how connected he sees their faith and his faith. Right. And so, again, all of this suffering language, all of this endurance language, all of this hope language, all of this love language. He said, no, no, we need each other for it. <laughs> like you, you, you can't do this alone. Right. You, you, you do see how, how difficult it is to endure in this way alone. So Paul says, no, no, me seeing you endure actually helps me endure. Right. And you seeing me endure actually actually helps you endure. Right. It's all about one another. Right. This is a, a one another faith. You cannot do this alone for the, the people that are listening to this podcast uh, to stand firm is in some ways what enables me to stand firm as well now may our god verse 11 uh, and father himself and our lord jesus direct our way to you and may the lord cause you to increase and overflow with the love for one another here it is here it is and for everyone just as we do for you may he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our god and father at the coming of our lord jesus with all his saints Amen. This is the second prayer. Paul has these three prayers this is the second prayer uh that he is uh going to pray in this book and um uh, the, the three prayers kind of structure the book. Uh, this is the hinge point in the book. And in this prayer, he introduces all of the topics he will come to and talk about and challenge them with in the rest of the book. And four, he picks up and says, continue, do so even more. He challenges them to keep going. He says, no, no, no I've been celebrating y'all for three chapters. And he says, no, no, keep going. Y'all are on the right path, right? Many folks, and, and many folks, uh, including myself, have asked, you know, no, what is God's will for my life? OK, I, I think I'm doing good. I'm, I'm 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 flourishing spiritually. Right. What is God's will for my life? Look what he says. He says God's will for your life is your sanctification <laughs> that you may keep away from sexual immorality. Very big in the ancient world. And and now that he, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. Clear as day. Grow in holiness. That's God's will for your life. Right. If you're asking today, God, what do you want me to do? It's to be more like him. Grow in holiness. Be sanctified. These are things that scripture tells us we need. And the, and the other things that he, he mentions here are things scripture tells us we need to stay away from because it is for our own good and for the good of others. And according and, and again, according to the New Testament, the Christian life hear this is not just about who you've become spiritually in Christ. Right. Um, it, it's not just about who you've become positionally. But it's also about who you are becoming, right? It's also about who you are becoming before Christ, right? The very person you are being conformed to. Verse 7, for God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. One of the things that the early Christians uh, were known for was that it was a sexual counter culture, right? It was a place, among other things, that was known for dignifying the body in such a way that they see the giving of oneself intimately as something being given away and taken that doesn't belong to either 
Party. It's interesting because um, in their day, they were uh, radical in, in, in their commitment to uh, their views around sexuality and, and seeing people that made in the image of God and that being uh, uh, the best place for that to be expressed in the covenant of marriage and the, the, the views they held around it. And I think it will be just as radical today for the Christians to uh, hold to this sexual ethic in the midst of our current cultural climate. And I love, even in the midst of this challenge, Paul still remains pastoral. Right. Even in the midst of, of, of challenging people with 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 the implications and the outworkings of the gospel in real lives, he still remains pastoral to them. He says, no, no, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep for the Lord himself who would descend from heaven with a shout with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Apparently, again, uh, we mentioned this at the top that some believers had died and some in Thessalonica thought that they miss out on the glorious second coming of the Lord. However, Paul reassures them. So notice he doesn't just challenge them. He also reassures them, right? That's something we need to in our dialogue amongst brothers and sisters. We don't just challenge our brothers and sisters. We also reassure them here. In this case, he reassures them of the resurrection and at, at the second coming, right? And what I love about it more than anything is that fact is that Paul is so pastoral, right? He says, no, no, we grieve for sure, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Notice hope that virtue that he talked about at the beginning death for us is not a comma according to paul but a period and this or, or, or i said it backwards death is not a period but a comma um and this isn't something isn't some wishful thinking or unfounded hope right but in the same way that jesus got up right that's gonna be us as well and he says no no the result of it is that we will always be with the lord then he says therefore encourage one another with these words we don't just challenge we don't just reassure but we encourage right and you know, one of the biggest pieces of the gospel that Paul in every chapter of this letter points out is the second coming of Christ. Right. And again, this is so integral to our faith and hope and love of Jesus. He is the one who is coming again, fam, to make all things right and bring justice, but also to transform us in this world and dwell with us. And I think we'd be a lot more encouraged if a biblical understanding of the second coming was present in more of our conversations and deeper in our convictions first Thessalonians 5 finally in 5 he anticipated uh, uh the 20 the 20th and 21st century with this one he's like bro don't worry about the precise timing <laughs> like don't worry about the precise timing of, of, of this of these things when these things will happen but but re but rest assured that they actually will happen so he says yo knowing how to live in preparation for the Lord's return is more important than knowing the exact timing of the Lord's return live in the light not in the dark verse 14 and we exhort you brothers and sisters warn those who are idle comfort the discouraged help the weak be patient with everyone he says in other words this faith is not passive it's not docile you don't just sit around well jesus is coming i'm just going to do nothing no all right there's work for god that god has called you to in the meantime and i love this <clears throat> because he's like no no afflict the <clears throat> comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable right there are people who need to be challenged and urged and, and pushed but there are some who need to be comforted and held at the same time and so he, he concludes by encouraging them that the sanctity the sanctity holiness and purity that he calls them to is ultimately completed by god himself and that he will finish the work he has begun in us verse 23 now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body listen soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus 
Christ. God in Christ is not just sanctifying um, or is not just uh, saving our souls, but he's actually saving our bodies. And so our souls and our bodies, uh, they can't be separated. Um, both matter to God and they matter in the kingdom of God. And we get to participate in the work that God is doing in the world by seeing to it that we allow the spirit uh, to conform us to the image of the son, to the glory of the father. Let's pray. God, we ask uh, for your grace today to remember what you're doing in us, through us, by your spirit and in your son. Lord, I pray that we would um, encourage and celebrate one another uh, for the things that you want us to value, but that we would also challenge one another when necessary.